from Las Vegas. You're listening to Verve Church for people who don't like church. Thanks for tuning in. In 1947, Robert Pierce worked for Youth for Christ. Its mission is to to share the good news about Jesus with the world. He started on a trip towards China, but only with enough money to buy a ticket to Honolulu. On the trip, he met Tana Holkador, a teacher uh, who introduced him to a battered and abandoned child named White Jade. Unable to care for the child herself, she asked Robert Pierce, what are you going to do about her? And so Pierce gave the woman his last $5 and agreed to send the same amount each month to help the woman care for that child. Pierce eventually made it to China, and while there, he saw widespread hunger. People were starving. Kids were starving. He, he, he felt uh, in, intense compassion for these people. In fact, Peter later wrote these words in his Bible. Let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. Wow. That is a dangerous prayer to pray. Let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. It reminds me of the prophet Jeremiah from the Old Testament of the Bible. He was called the weeping prophet because his heart broke over what was going on with his people. Uh, God gave Jeremiah a ministry of delivering a hard message to share. He, He asked people to repent, to change their lives, and people did not listen to him. They did not respond. He preached for years without a single convert, but even still, he continued the ministry God called him to. Why? Because his heart was broken by the things that break God's heart. In fact, look what he wrote in uh, chapter eight of the book named Jeremiah. He writes, my grief is beyond healing. My heart is broken. Listen to the weeping of my people. It can be heard all across the land. Has the Lord abandoned Jerusalem? The people ask. Is her king no longer there? Oh, why have they provoked my anger with their carved idols and their worthless foreign gods, says the Lord. The harvest is finished and the summer is gone, the people cry, yet we are not saved. I hurt with the hurt of my people. I mourn and am overcome with grief. Is there no medicine in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why is there no healing for the wounds of my people? Today, as we continue our Dangerous Prayer series, I want to challenge you to pray this prayer. Let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. So, what breaks the heart of God? God's heart breaks for all his children. It breaks for those who have loved him their whole lives and for those who have never even known him. It breaks for injustice and oppression. It breaks over the sin, uh, disease, loss, uh, grief, confusion, and pain of his children. God's heart breaks for people who are struggling to accept grace or or to change their lives. Um, If if we ask God to, to really break our hearts for what breaks his we're going to start feeling the hurt of a lot of painful realities. We'll we'll feel how our own sin breaks God's heart. Our hearts will be broken for for other people. We'll hurt for situations that seem hopeless. 
will grieve with those who grieve, with Cleveland Brown fans. We'll notice people who are, who are far from God, without God, and it will just, it will wreck us. Our hearts will break for those who are living in poverty, for the abused, the, the persecuted, and the oppressed. This, this guy named uh, Warson Shire wrote in a poem, these great lines, that they, they impacted me so much the first time I heard them. He, he says, later that night, I held an atlas in my lap, ran my fingers across the whole world and whispered, where does it hurt? And it answered, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. There is hurt everywhere. And where there is hurt, God hurts. And we pray, let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. As our hearts for God grow, we increasingly are broken by all the things that break his heart. But, but I want to ask you, what one hurt in our world breaks your heart more than the others? The theologian, <coughs> excuse me, Frederick Buechner wrote that your vocation in life, <coughs> your your calling in life is where your greatest joy meets the world's greatest need. What did he mean? Well, the, the hurt is everywhere. Where there is hurt, God hurts. Where God hurts, we hurt. But God uniquely wires us so we have uh, certain hot buttons. Like, yes, every injustice, every pain hurts us, but, but there's going to be one or two that really make your heart beat fast. Like maybe uh, women who can't handle the Mentos challenge like they thought they could. Or uh, kittens who don't quite have good jumping ability yet. And I'm joking, uh, but I shouldn't joke about it because this one thing is not a joke to you. Like, you may know why. It could be something like, I hurt for this because of this hardship I had in my life. I had to endure it, and now I, I, I hurt because, or, or it might be something you don't know why. It's a mystery to you, but for some reason you can't explain. It just, it captures your attention. It captures your heart. You can't ignore it. You want to do something about it. And, and listen, you have to do something about it. God wants to challenge that heartbreak into action. God's been doing that for a long, long time. In the Old Testament book of Exodus, there's Moses. Uh, Moses was a Hebrew, an Israelite, and his people were in slavery in Egypt. Well, the, the Egyptians had the Hebrews doing forced labor. They oppressed and mistreated them. Um, and then we read this. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. So Moses sees this and he feels sick. His heart breaks over this oppression. And then glancing this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And Moses is so upset, he kills the guy. The next day, Moses hears the sounds of a... Uh, of, uh, um, the same sounds of a beating happening. But when he looks, he realizes that it's two of his own people fighting each other. Uh, it says the next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? Moses is like, I don't get it. 
We get beat up by the Egyptians every day. That's bad enough. Don't fight with each other. Moses' heart is broken. And you fast forward to some years later, God decides it's time for his people, the Israelites, the Hebrews, to break free from their slavery in Egypt. And who does God choose to lead them? Moses. Why does God choose Moses? Part of it is that God had seen that passion in Moses. He knew that Moses' heart was broken by what broke his heart. And God channeled that heartbreak into action. Later in the Old Testament, there's uh, David. David later becomes king, but when he was still young, his nation is at war. His brothers were all on the front lines. He's too young to fight. But his dad sent him to, to bring food to his brothers. And when he gets there, he finds that the battle is at a standstill. The enemy has a giant of a man, this huge warrior named Goliath. He's kind of like Andre the Giant. Big guy, right? And Goliath has come out and challenged anyone to come fight him. And Goliath is trash-talking God. He is saying awful things about God. Well, the, the men in the army, these people who believe and worship God, they hear all of it, and they are annoyed that Goliath is saying these things about their God. But when David hears it, it goes beyond annoyance, way beyond. David's heart is broken, and he, and he asks, hey, who's, who's going to do something about this? And the answer is no one, because Goliath is too big and so David tells everyone, I will. I will fight for God. And soon he is running full speed at this giant with nothing but a slingshot and a stone. Why? Why does God use David to take on and take out Goliath? Well, part of it is that God had seen that passion in David. He knew that David's heart was broken by what broke his heart, God's heart, God channels that heartbreak into action. There's another guy in the Old Testament named Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah had this cushy job with a foreign king, but, but then he heard bad news from back home, that, that the walls of his city had fallen down, that the people were vulnerable to attack, and, and that the neighboring countries were laughing out loud at the powerless God these people believed in, who couldn't even lead his people to rebuild a wall. The Bible says, Nehemiah broke down and wept. His heart was broken. And he goes to the king at the risk of his life. And he says, uh, king, I need a leave of absence and some equipment and some resources because I have to go build a wall. Why does God use Nehemiah to rebuild the wall? Well, part of it is that God had seen that passion in Nehemiah. He knew that Nehemiah's heart was broken by what broke his heart. And God channels that heartbreak into action. In the New Testament, we see this even with Jesus. At one time, Jesus walks into the temple where people were, were going to worship God and offer sacrifices to him. But what was happening was that people would bring in their animal sacrifices from their hometown far away. Uh, and, and when they arrived, there would be these religious business people who would say, oh, no, 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 that sacrifice isn't good enough. You're going to have to buy one of mine. And, and there were people exchanging money, trying to make a profit off of these people who had just come to worship God. 
And Jesus walks in the temple. He sees all of this happening and his pulse starts racing. And Jesus drives all the corrupt religious business people out of the temple. Like, I mean, Jesus walks in and suddenly everybody was kung fu fighting. He's like, wah, wah. Uh, listen, God, God loves to take what captures a person's attention, what captures their heart, that thing the person can't ignore, that thing the person has to do something about and channel that heartbreak into action. God, God has been doing that for a long time and he is still doing it today. That brings us back to Robert Pierce. Remember, he traveled to Asia and he saw poverty, people starving. He saw little children standing in long food lines. Uh, sometimes he'd see these little kids in the lines just keel over. And sometimes not just faint, they would die standing in line. So he asked, what's, what's the matter? Why are these kids dying? And he learned that there was no food at the front of the food lines. And it wrecked him. His heart broke. And that is what led Bob Pierce to start World Vision, which now feeds millions of children every day. Or uh, what about Martin Luther King? His heart was broken by the racial oppression in the southern United States in the 50s and 60s. He couldn't stand the whites-only signs on the drinking fountains and bathroom doors. He couldn't stand that black people were always pushed to the, the back of the bus or the back of the educational line or the back of the employment opportunity lines. And God channeled that heartbreak into action. And it was action that changed the world. Or... Uh, what about Austin Gutwin? Uh, back in the early 2000s, Austin Gutwin was 10 years old, just 10 years old, and he watched a video from a little girl in Africa who had been orphaned by AIDS. Oh, his heart was broken, and he wanted to do something. He, he had to do something. He didn't know what to do. So, so he called World Vision. World Vision, the, the organization started by Robert Pierce. He knew they helped children in Africa. He asked, how could he help? They asked him, well, what, what do you like to do? He said, basketball. They told him, maybe you could do something with basketball. Austin decided to ask people to sponsor him in a basketball shot-a-thon. He would shoot 2,057 free throws, equal to the amount of kids who would die in Africa while he was in school each day. Austin raised $3,000. Pretty cool. But he wanted to do more. He got his friends involved, uh, getting sponsors for them to shoot foul shots. And eventually, little Austin started an organization called Hoops of Hope, which has raised over $2.5 million for orphans in Africa before Austin even graduated from high school. I got to ask, right? What breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? Whatever it is, it's so easy to ignore, right? To, to just get caught up in other things, your career, your family, your hobbies, Netflix, reading books, dancing. It's, it's crazy. Um, you know, we, we watch movies and we read books about people who do great things and live exciting lives. Well, God wants us to do great things and live exciting lives. What breaks your heart? 
what captures your attention. You can't ignore it. You want to do something about it. (laughs) You have to do something about it because God wants to channel that heartbreak into action. So what is it? Uh, Maybe when you see immoral business practices or when you see someone die of cancer, when you're around extreme poverty, does it wreck you? Uh, We're doing a mission trip to Mexico. A team of ververs, which could include you, are going to Mexico just for a weekend and are going to build a house for a homeless family. Does Does it break your heart that there are families with little kids living in such extreme poverty that they're homeless? Well, if that breaks your heart, you can do something about it. You could go on this trip. You don't need experience. You don't need to be like a carpenter. You just need a willingness to go and help. And you can get more information or register for the trip at verve.cc. What is it that breaks your heart? Maybe it's when you see racist behaviors and the effects of prejudice. It just does something inside of you. Or when you see abused children, when you witness the impact of AIDS, when, when, uh, when you see a marriage that is falling apart. When you see kids growing up without dads, when young people drift away from God, whatever it is, I bet it breaks God's heart too. And the fact that it breaks yours is probably a sign that God wants to raise you up to take action. I just want to give you a few thoughts um, that may help you move forward because I I am uh, seriously hoping that you literally take action, that this causes you to act. So here's a few words of wisdom if, if and when you do that. First, make sure your action is taken with compassion. And sometimes we get so passionate about the area that breaks our heart that we can run into battle without compassion. But people who yell and scream are not heard. People who take up the cause of the unborn by bombing abortion clinics do not further their cause. When you're on the right side, but you do it in the wrong way, you're just wrong. So take your action with compassion. Second, expect to face fear. I I think most people don't do what God is calling them to do because they're afraid. They they, they use it as an excuse for not acting. I can't. I mean, I I couldn't do it. I'm scared. I'm intimidated. Do you you think there's ever been a single person who didn't have that excuse? If we all let fear stop us, no one would ever take any action to make wrongs right. Do do you think Moses wasn't afraid? Of course he was. You can read all about his fears in Exodus chapter 3. Do do you think David wasn't afraid of Goliath? Of course he was. Do, Do you think Nehemiah wasn't afraid to make this great request to the king? He was. Do you think Martin Luther King wasn't afraid? Of course he was, and you will face fear. Do you know that in the Bible, the most repeated command God gives us is, don't be afraid, fear not. About 350 times in the Bible, God tells us to not fear. Why is that in there so much? Because we need it. Don't be afraid, because God is with you. You can move forward despite fear, because God is with you. Third, expect to fall down. Expect to fall down. Listen, if you spent most of your life sitting on the couch, watching TV, and eating Doritos, but then your heart breaks, and you decide to go out and turn the world upside down, it's not going to always be smooth sailing, right? You'll have some success. You'll feel defeated at times. You'll gain some momentum, and then you'll be tripped up in your efforts. That's okay. Each time you fall down, you'll fall forward. 
and you will learn and you will grow and you will have more of an impact in the future. So let my heart be broken for the things that break the heart of God. What is it that breaks your heart? Whatever it is, are you doing anything about it? Are you risking enough? Are you willing to say, with God's help, I will do everything I can to make this wrong in the world right? Some of you will say, well, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm really going to do anything, but I, but I do care. I really do care. Oh, that's not enough. It's not enough to care. It's not enough to feel bad. You need to do something. Not, not just for you and not just because it's the right thing to do, but also for our world. I mean, what chances our world have if we do nothing? Who, who's going to take a stand and do something to right the wrongs? Do it because our world needs it. And do it for God. If you believe in him, if you love him, do it for God. Because if we just sit idly by and do nothing, then there, there is a watching world who stare in disbelief at Christians who claim that their guiding principle is love God and love people, but who will not take action to make our world a better place. So right wrongs. Address injustice. Pray this prayer. Let my heart be broken when the things that break the heart of God. Let's pray that right now. Let's pray together. God, would you break through the callousness of our hearts, the distractions that we entertain and numb ourselves with. God, would you break our hearts with the things that break your heart and raise us up to take action. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.